I'm still Joy Byler, and uh, Pastor Jason is not here today. Um, obviously, he is doing something awesome. He is, um, as you guys know, or some of you may not know, um, last year around this time, he took on a new role of, of um, being an overseer of several churches across the state. And so there's a church almost in between Andalusia and here. Um, it's called Antioch, and they are getting a new pastor today. And so he is installing a new pastor at Antioch Church, and and um, preaching there. So I get to preach today, and I'm so excited, but just let's pray for Pastor Jason as he ministers today to the people at Antioch. They were going to um, install the pastor, and then the ladies there were going to cook lunch, and they were going to make sure that Pastor, that pastor Jason was going to be there for lunch, and I told him before he left, I said, you are about to eat good. Okay, those women can throw down on some food. And uh, so he gets to have lunch with them and everything. So just keep him in prayer as he travels and as he ministers today. Um, And I'm very excited about being able to bring the word. So it's November and it is it's the end of the year is coming and it's coming really fast. And I don't know about you, but this year, 2022 has just been a blur and it's just flown by so fast. And um, so we're coming to the end of November and we always have, November might be one of my favorite times of the year. I love, love Christmas, obviously, because we get to celebrate Jesus and his birth. Um, But November is the time for Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving was always a huge deal in our family growing up. And I don't know, some of you guys I know probably have traditions that maybe you have in your family now, or you had traditions as you were growing up. Some of our traditions as I was growing up, um, we, we lived, I had the honor and the privilege, it was such a great part of my life, to be able to grow up right across the street from my grandparents. So we were at their house almost more than we were at, at our own house. And so we really had an awesome relationship with them. They, they, they were just great, great great, just awesome grandparents. And um, so I love that relationship. And I'm so excited that that we also get to live close to um, my children's, one one part of my children's grandparents, um, not too far from Jason's mom and dad. And so it, grandparents just a big, big deal in, um, in, in our lives. So we would go, we would, we would get up really early on Thursday morning. My grandmother is like these ladies at Antioch, okay? She could throw down on some food, all right? She could cook, man. She'd start cooking weeks before Thanksgiving. She'd cook, and she'd bake pies, and she'd bake cakes, and she'd bake dressing, and she'd bake uh, all the goods that you have. What are some of your favorite Thanksgiving dishes? Sandy, what's your favorite above all? Your dressing, Mm, dressing. You got to have cranberry sauce, cranberry sauce. All right, just, I, I like to do these polls every once in a while. If you are a whole cranberry sauce person, if that, if you like the cranberries in your sauce, raise your hand. All right, so we got some whole, all right, you crazy people who don't like the whole cranberry. You like just the jelly cranberry sauce, and it don't have no cranberries in it. Who are you? Some of you don't even like cranberry sauce. You're not even right. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Y'all are really crazy because if you got the dress in, you got to put that cranberry sauce with the dress. Oh, mm -hmm. all right. So I'm ready for Thanksgiving, right? I made you hungry right there. Okay. Um, So she'd cook and we'd go over there and we'd eat all day long. And we would eat till like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And then we'd go and just take our big old selves outside and we'd play football. 
And we'd, we'd throw around the football, not me technically, but the guys would. And um, have, I don't know if you've seen the commercial that they've got right now that talks about the crazy uncle at, on Thanksgiving who plays the football. Let me tell you right now, they have written that commercial about Jason Byler. He is crazy, okay? And uh, all his nieces and nephews would uh, attest to that because he's a crazy football machine. And so we have all these family traditions that are based around Thanksgiving that just give you those mm, good family feelings on the inside, right? And you guys, as I'm just talking about Thanksgiving, you're, you're reminiscing about Thanksgivings of old and you're dreaming about Thanksgivings of tomorrow and I'm just ready for some dressing right now. My mom has got three turkeys in the freezer she's about to take out and we're gonna throw down on some turkey and uh, so I'm just ready I'm ready for Thanksgiving so as we were think as I was thinking about oh man I get to preach in November so I am going to do a Thanksgiving message um, so just get ready um, we're gonna talk about being thankful today all right so as a child of God Thanksgiving should be a daily event it should be a moment-by-moment moment event. And so today we're going to talk about how life-changing Thanksgiving is. Matter of fact, I'm going to title my sermon, Thanks Living. You like that? That was real original, right? Thanks Living. Because as a child of God, that should be our posture. That should be our attitude. And so we're going to start off, and you know, as you think about Thanksgiving messages, this one is probably always thrown out there. But as I was studying it, I really just began to get a different view and a different revelation of this story. So we're going to start. If you have your Bibles, open them up with me. I am, um, I've got some points today. So if you have some paper that you can take notes with, or you open up your little notepad on your phone, you can just kind of, I won't even, um, I won't even look down on you that you got your phone open and that you look like you're texting, I will just believe that you are taking awesome notes um, from the message, okay? Because that's what I do. Um, I always like to, to put this out there. If you see me on the front row when Pastor Jason's preaching and I've got my phone out, I am taking notes. I'm not looking at Facebook. I'm not texting. I'm taking notes on my phone because then I can go back and I can look. Um, it's very important to write down what God is speaking to you so you can go back and can say, okay, God, speak to me some more through this word. All right, so hopefully um, in that amount of time you have opened up your Bibles. We're going to go to Luke. We're going to turn to Luke 17. And we're going to go verses 11 through 19. Now, Scott, I'm going to read these verses, and then I'm going to preach just a few little seconds in between, and then we're going to break it down. So I'm going to be very, I'm going to be very like concise in reading these verses. I'm going to try not to preach as I'm reading the verses, um, and then we're going to go back and we're going to we're going to pull out some of the words that are in this verses. All right. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria. And Galilee, as he was going into a village, ten men, everybody say ten, who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, everybody say distance, and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now one of them, everybody say one. When he saw he was healed, came 
back. Praising God in a loud voice. Now he's already, mm -mm, I'm not going to preach. Okay, all right. Praising him in a loud voice. I just got to say this, but you know, he's praising God in a loud voice now. But remember, he was crying out in a loud verse, just a few voice, just a few verses back. Jesus, have mercy on us. So his loud voice is coming back again. 16, he says, he threw himself at Jesus's feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Everybody say nine. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. All right, so I remember reading this as a child. And I remember thinking, those sorry suckers, those nine lepers didn't come back and thank Jesus? What in the world? They had been healed of so much. And you guys are, we're still thinking that today, right? Why didn't those nine lepers come back? Why was it just the one? All right, so we're going to talk about the one and then we're going to talk about the nine. I want to pull out a few words from the scripture. So, Scott, if you'll just go back to the very beginning, and um, we're just going to help us to understand what was going on with these ungrateful nine. Would you like to be remembered as the ungrateful nine? No. All right. But here we are today remembering them as the ungrateful nine. Joy Byler, as a preacher of the word today, just called them sorry suckers. Right? So they have the, their reputation, reputation has preceded them, right? So here we are, Life Change Church 2022, talking about nine lepers who didn't go back and thank Jesus. So let's talk about verse 11 and 12 at the moment. I'm going, like I said, I'm going to bring out some, just a few words, and we're going to talk about them just so you can understand where the one was coming from and maybe just get a little grasp on what in the world the nine were doing. So... As we read, Jesus was traveling. He was going um, between Samaria and Galilee. He was headed to Jerusalem. And here we see him going into a village, and there were 10 men who had leprosy, and they met him. Let me tell you one second about leprosy, okay? These men were sick. They were very sick. Leprosy was a skin disease that would cause the patient's disfigurement of the skin and bones, twisting of the limbs and curling of the fingers to form the characteristics um, in, in the hand where it would be bent. All the bones would be gnarled. Skin would be horrible. They're suffering. They had to leave their homes and their families, and they had to live together with other sufferers on the outskirts of town. Sounds nice, doesn't it? They had to scavenge for food. They were forbidden to have any contact with people who did not have the disease, and they had to ring a bell and shout, unclean, if anyone approached them. 
So here's what these 10 men had been through, were going through, and this is what they were doing. Here as Jesus, the Son of God, approaches their village. Now, so they're standing at a distance. They're calling out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, how do they know about Jesus? And how do they know that he can do something for them? Because earlier in Luke, Jesus has already healed a leper. So he, the, the word has gotten out that here is a man who can heal the most infectious disease that totally um, labels you as an outcast. And here is a man, Jesus, Master, who can have pity on them. So then in verse 14, here's what happens. When he, Jesus, saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. Now let me tell you why this is important and why Jesus told him to go do this. Because in Levitical law, which God had given them back in Leviticus, the way that you were able to cleanse yourself, um, you know, if you'd been healed of leprosy and then become clean again, you would have to go and see the priest and he would have to declare that you were clean. So for them to be able to re-enter society, the thing they had to do was go and see the priest. But it wasn't when they went to see the priest that they got healed. Here is when they got healed. As they went, they were cleansed. Because, can I tell you this? The high priest, Jesus Christ, had already healed them. They didn't have to go and fulfill the Levitical law because Jesus Christ, the high priest, had said it and they were healed. So the ten guys were not healed yet as they were walking, but as they obeyed Jesus' command, his declaration healed them, and they were healed. Now let's go to verse, we'll see what the man did here that was healed. One of them, okay, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. 16, he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and what did he do? thanked him. But then the Bible tells us something very important about this one man. It tells us that he was a Samaritan. And why was this important that the Bible would tell us that this one man was a Samaritan? Because Jews and Samaritans didn't mix. But here we have a Samaritan mixed up with the colony of lepers. And here we have a Samaritan that has come back to thank Jesus. And the word of the Lord brings out the point that the thankful one was a Samaritan. So let me tell you the four things that this Samaritan did when he was healed. And it tells us in verse 15 and 16. Here's the first thing he did. He came back to Jesus. He realizes that he has been healed of this infectious disease that probably has disfigured him, that, that probably was very intense pain. He has realized all of a sudden he is healed. Now, I don't know how many of you suffer with a chronic disease or so have suffered with pain in your life. 
But I, on a weekly and a daily and a monthly basis, sometimes suffer with a chronic disease. I'm making a declaration that I will be healed in Jesus' name. But I believe that if I had a touch from the high priest and I was healed, I would know it in the instant. And I would realize I have just been healed miraculously by the power of the Lord. And I believe that is going to happen one day. And I believe for every one of you who is suffering with some kind of chronic disease, that you will be healed in Jesus' name. So here we have a leper who has suffered with a disease, and he has realized it, and he came back to Jesus. That's the first thing he did. The second thing he did was he praised God in a loud voice. The third thing he did was he threw himself at Jesus' feet. And after he had done all of this, he thanked him. And then in verse, let's, let's go on to ver- the next few verses, Scott, and I want to focus on the, how this ends, okay? Jesus asked Jesus asked the, uh, the apparent question because Jesus knew how many were standing there in a loud voice yelling to him. He knew that there were ten. And Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, the Samaritan, the one, the foreigner, he said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, this is the NIV version, the KJV, King James Version, says this, and I love how it says this. It says, your faith has made you whole. W-H-O-L-E. And let me tell you what this word whole means, okay? I'm, I'm taking this down. I, I studied it. I, saw, I was like, Lord, there's something else that happened to this leper that did not happen to the other nine. And let me tell you what happened, okay? So this word, we take it back to the original Greek, whole. And it's a word, funny word called sodezo. I have a great Greek accent, don't I? Yeah. Had a little uh, South Alabamian mixed in there. Sodezo. But let me tell you what it means. Sodezo, same word as our word whole, but has a whole lot more meat to it, says to save, to deliver, or protect, to heal, to preserve, do well, be made whole. Then we're going to take that word that's in the Greek, and we're going to take it to the Hebrew, which is God's language. And he, in the language of Hebrew, expounds and makes big every word. That's why whenever we try to describe God, we don't have enough words to describe him. And here's what in Hebrew, the Greek word sodese, which is our word whole, means. Are you ready for this? Fasten your seatbelts. It means to save, keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction, 
to save a suffering one from perishing, one suffering from disease, to make well, to heal, to restore to health, to preserve one who is in danger of destruction, to save or to rescue, to save the technical bibl- in the technical biblical sense, to deliver from the penalties of the messianic judgment, to save from the evils which obstruct the reception of the messianic deliverance. So when Jesus tells this one leper that he has been made whole, it means a whole lot more than the fact that he no longer has leprosy. It means that he has been called a child of God. It means that he has been chosen. He has been redeemed. He has been anointed. Just like the song we sang today, Kristen, it is every one of those words. He has been made whole. So why would this one who now understood what had happened to him, how could he not fall at the feet of Jesus with gratitude and thanksgiving and gratefulness? All right. So we read this scripture, and just like when I was nine years old and a kid and was thinking what in the world was wrong with those nine people, Who today would still ask the question? I feel the same as I did when I was a kid. These nine nine lepers were crazy. But I stood here, and as I was reading the word, and as I was letting it just, the Lord just letting me have revelation and, and just studying it, still small voice of the Holy Spirit Ask me this question. Joy, would you have turned around and given thanks or would you have just kept walking? Because you see, the one understood thanksgiving. But the nine missed a whole lot. And so today, I'm going to give you the lessons of what they missed. Because you see, they missed what Hebrews 7.25 talks about. And it's in, in the NIV it says, we have been completely saved. In the King James Version it says, we have been saved to the uttermost. The nine missed the fact that the one leper had gotten saved to the uttermost. They just walked on their way. So let's talk about what the nine missed. Are you ready? You got your pens, your pencils, your paper? Because I'm fixing to give you what the nine lepers missed. Nine lessons of gratitude that the nine missed. We need it for this season, don't we? We need gratitude. We need thanksgiving. But here's the first one. Gratitude keeps our eyes focused on the Lord who is the source of all good gifts. James 1.17 says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. 
So when our eyes are focused on Jesus, then everything around disappears into the shadows. The circumstances that you're going through, what you're walking through, all of those things. If our eyes are fixed on Jesus, then everything else should fade. And everything else should disappear into the shadows. So number one is gratitude keeps our eyes focused on Jesus. They missed a big lesson, didn't they? Number two, gratitude keeps our heart tender. As I was thinking about the word tender, I thought about the word tenderize. If you were to walk up into our back door, our back patio has about six grills, six grills, a smoker, two Webers, a pellet, four, five, it's like six at least. It's got six grills. We like to eat grilled food, okay? Jason is a grill master. And so he's gotten to the he's gotten his technique down. He's gotten to where he can take meat and he can tenderize it and, and season it. And and he's even has learned this um, technique where you take this big thing that looks like a shot and you put the juice in it, and you take it, and you inject that good flavor into the meat, and the meat becomes tender, and it tastes so good from the outside to the inside, and man, it is tenderized, and you can take a pork loin that's normally tough and rough, and you can take it, and you can just cut it like butter. It's like just cut it with a fork. Now, I've talked about dressing. I'm talking about grilling. You guys are hungry, right? All right, but this is what I'm trying to say. Tenderize. Gratitude keeps our heart tender. Look what Colossians 3.12 says. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself, tenderize yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Man, let the Holy Spirit just inject in you all of those things. Clothe yourself with those things. And as you have a heart full of gratitude and thanksgiving, then your heart remains tender. God loves to speak to a tender heart. And a tender heart hears God speak. Number three, gratitude keeps our heart open. When our heart's open and not closed, the Holy Spirit can come and do his work. With open hearts, it allows the fruits of the Spirit to grow. I don't know about you, but I need a whole lot more love in my life. And joy in my life. Yes, my name is Joy. But it doesn't mean that I'm always allowing the fruit of the spirit of joy to grow in my life. Matter of fact, it's probably a continual reminder for me to do that. And then I go and we name our, our precious little baby girl, Lydia, Lydia Joy Byler. And we use her middle name often. Lydia Joy Byler? It's very hard to say that word joy and get on to somebody. It's a constant reminder. We need constant reminders to let our hearts be open to the Holy Spirit and 
and let it be big enough to where the, Lord, the Holy Spirit can come and then grow his fruits. Ephesians 1, 17 through 18 says this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Lord, may the eyes of our hearts be open so that we may know the hope for which we have been called. Number four, gratitude keeps us in the presence of God. Think about it. Heart full of thankfulness, heart full of gratitude. Psalms 95, 1 through 2 says this. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Let me ask you this. Has God ever in your life felt, emphasis on felt, distant? Like you were praying and your prayers were just going up to the ceiling and stopping. Like, God, you're not hearing me. Or maybe when you get bad news or when you have a bad day or when your kids are driving you crazy or when tough times come or when the answer doesn't to your prayers doesn't quite look exactly like the way you expected it to. You ever been in that kind of situation? Here's what the Lord is saying. Praise anyway. Give thanks anyway. Check this verb, verse out in Hebrews 13, 15. Man, this is a tough one right here. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually Offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Sacrifice of praise is praising even when you don't feel like it. Even when it doesn't look like what you expected. Even when there's surprises, even when there's disappointments, even when praise anyway gratitude makes a difference the one understood the nine not so much you see what they're missing you see what they're missing number 5 gratitude keeps our relationships strong can i tell you right here that gratitude may be one of the most impactful and practical ways to build one another up. Wives, looking around, not looking around, looking in, right? How hard is it? 
to give thanks for the little things and the big things and the messy things and the irritating things and the frustrating things and the wonderful things and the provision and the help and the non-help. The Lord says to give thanks in all things. Right, Joy Baller? Husbands, how hard is it? Two words. Thank you. Gratitude shown from the heart. Impactful, practical, easy, but the most difficult thing to do. But it should just flow out of the heart of the child of God who loves the heavenly father with everything within them. Gratitude keeps our relationships strong. Here's what Paul did continually. Scott, I'm going to roll through these verses really quick. 1 Corinthians 1.4 says this. This is how Paul starts off his letter to, first, to the Corinthians. He says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Do you always thank God for your spouse? Do you always thank God for your children? Do you always thank God for your employer? Do you always thank God for your co workers always is a big word but here we have Paul saying I always thank my God for you all right next verse Scott Romans 1 8 first here he is writing to the church in Romans first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world Philippians 1.3 says this. This is how he starts off his letter to Philippians. Do you start off your conversations with thanksgiving? Do you start off your conversations, your text, your messages, your, your post on Facebook? Do you start off your, your, your conversations with thanksgiving? Well, look what Paul did. He said in Philippians 1.3, I thank my God every time I remember you. Philemon 1, 4 through 5, another letter he starts off, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. Gratitude keeps our relationships strong. Number six, gratitude keeps us together. We want strong relationships, and we want together relationships. When we all have thankful hearts, thankful for each other, unity and purpose happen. You know, it's hard to have division with somebody that you're thankful for. You're thankful for somebody, then you have gratitude flowing out of your heart. You're praying for them. It's hard to have division with someone that you're thankful for. Gratitude keeps us together. Look at this cool verse in 1 Chronicles. Here in 1 Chronicles, what has happened is the presence of God has been, which was the Ark of the Covenant, had been away from the people of God. It had been captured, then it was being stored in different people's houses. Now it was coming back to the people of God. 
And here's what happens when they start giving thanks that the Ark of the Covenant, which was a representation of the presence of God, they, in First Chronicles 16.34, this is what they're doing. They're saying, they're praising, they're worshiping. And this is how they, they're in, towards the end of their song, this is what they start saying. They say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Cry out. Save us, God, our Savior. Gather us and deliver us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And then all the people said, Amen and praise the Lord. Gratitude keeps us together. Here we have all the people singing thanks. Here we have all the people singing praise. And here we have all the people saying together, amen and praise the Lord. What if the church today was all together and all the people in the church of America were saying amen and praise the Lord? Thanksgiving keeps us together. Number seven, gratitude keeps our attitude Christ-like. Now I've got pointy boots on this morning, and I'm about to step on my toes. Okay? If I step on my own toes, it's all right. So I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit do the rest. He's stepping on my toes. Why did I wear pointy boots? Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this. Here's the same attitude as Christ Jesus, but gratitude can lead us to this attitude. In your relationship with one another, y'all, this is in the Bible, Okay. Can I say again, this is in Philippians 4, 5 through 6. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Here's what he did. Who being in very nature did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient, to death, even death on cross. So I would break down just very simply, even though it's very um, big, Christ's attitude would break it down in these three areas just in this verse, even though Christ's attitude has a whole lot more characteristics to this. But from this verse, we see that Christ's 
attitude is humble. Making himself nothing. How many times in an argument or when we're talking to someone, we want to be right. Man, it's so hard to be wrong. But we are sometimes. If we're having the same attitude as Christ Jesus, we make ourselves nothing. We humble ourselves. Also, I gathered from this verse, and as, as, as we read it, you might have gathered a lot more. I would love to hear um, what the Holy Spirit's speaking to you if he gave you more than three things. But for sake of time, I've, I've just got three. Attitude of Christ Jesus is serving. And not to be seen. Just to serve. Just to get down on his knee and wash the disciples' feet kind of serve. And the third thing I pulled out of this verse is that he was obedient. So I think if we would take on those three things from this verse, if we would take on humility, if we would take on serving, and if we would just be obedient to the word of God and the, the, the voice of the Holy Spirit, I would say that our attitudes would be very Christ-like. Would you guys agree with me? And something really cool as we look back to our one leper who came back is he humbled himself and he, and he sat before Jesus' feet and he understood that gratitude affects our attitude. Here's number eight, and I'm almost done. Gratitude can you guys, when you write this down, like double underline it? Because I had to double underline it and then like write it with a red pen. And then I highlighted it yellow in my like taking notes and talking to myself about what I've written. That's really important. Gratitude keeps peace, ruling our hearts, and guarding our minds. Colossians 3.15 says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. So here we see being thankful and allowing the peace of Christ to rule in my heart. And here's what Philippians, I think Philippians 4, 6 through 7 goes really hand in hand with this verse. Here we have the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts. And here's what happens when we have the peace of Christ ruling in our minds. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and here's what happens. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. So here's my question under this point, and then we're done with, with, with the lesson number nine that these, these lepers missed. If peace is not ruling in your heart, what is? Like, 
I envision that scripture of like peace setting up a throne in my heart, and it's like, I will rule here. Or peace might be, I will rule here. Because it's peaceful, you know. <laughs> I'm going to rule here. And anxiety comes, and peace says, uh-uh, I rule here. And fear comes, and peace says, uh-uh, I rule here. And then worry might kind of try to slink its way in there, worry about tomorrow, worry about provision, worry about the future, worry about my children, worry about my grandchildren, worry about my house, worry about my car, worry about the things, worry about everything, try to sneak itself in there, and peace says, uh-uh. I rule here. And the same thing can be said about your mind. You got peace ruling your heart, and you got peace guarding your mind. Thoughts come against your mind. Man, there's a war that can be raged there. Thoughts come against your mind, and peace says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm guarding this mind. Christ Jesus The peace that surpasses all understanding is guarding this mind. You can't come here. And it's all birthed out of prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. Number nine. Whoo! We got there. Man, if just a few more lepers had come back, we wouldn't have so many points, all right? But they didn't. It's just one. Gratitude keeps our feet on the right path. The leper's thankful heart led him back to Jesus. Awesome verse in Isaiah 55, 7 says this. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Then the Bible says, let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. Not even talking about the righteous talking about the wicked all they got to do is just turn back to him and he will have mercy on them what did the lepers cry jesus master have pity on us have mercy on us and then isaiah goes on to say this and to our god for he will freely pardon. What did he do to the one leper? He made whole. He freely pardoned him. Gratitude keeps our feet on the right path. So here's the final question. What do we do with the lessons that the nine 
missed. We don't want to miss them. So here's something I want to show you. Gratitude is a huge spiritual discipline. Like, you know, as people of God and as Christians, we have disciplines in our lives that we need to have set up. You know, obviously one of the spiritual discipline is sitting down every day and opening up the word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us through his word. That is a great, awesome, powerful, life-changing spiritual discipline that we all need to have set up in our lives. Another one is just spending some time in just communion with the Lord and just worshiping him and praising him. That is a huge spiritual discipline we need to have set up in our lives that we do daily. Another one is attending church. It's a huge spiritual discipline. Sunday mornings are great for sleeping in. You've got to get yourself disciplined. Get to church. Because here we are, this body right here, listening together about the word of God that talks about gratitude. If we all right here in this building would take this revelation and start to have hearts of gratitude, imagine what would happen with the 50, 60 people who are here, hearts of gratitude, walking in the word, walking in the truth. And the people who aren't here hearing the corporate word being preached are not receiving it. Coming to church together is a huge spiritual discipline. It shouldn't have to be huge, big deal to get up on Sunday morning and come to church. All right, now I'm looking and sounding just like Pastor Jason, right? So gratitude is another one of the disciplines that we need to work into our lives. We must have it. The Lord uses our gratitude to help renew our minds. Okay, here's something really, really cool. And it always makes me nervous whenever I have one of these um, facts and, and Holland and Jason are here. Okay, because it's scientific. So if it's not right, you tell me at the end, okay? All right, so I did a little research and gratitude is actually scientifically proven, not that we have to have science to prove the word of God, okay? But this, has take, this is doctors who have nothing else to prove except what science does, but it lines up with the word of God. Cool. Because guess what? God's a creator, and he created our bodies. And why would, not, why would this not be just an evidence of such an awesome, powerful creator? But gratitude rewires our physical brain. Thankfulness releases dopamine, okay, which is like a hormone, right? And that hormone helps us sleep better, helps us lose weight, helps our well-being. Man, it does so many other things. Why would we not want to live in gratitude? It physically affects us. So also in the brain, gratitude and anxiety cannot exist together. So you either choose anxiety, like, like physically, I'm going to be anxious, or you physically choose gratitude. They cannot coexist in the brain together. 
So here we have today, we have a choice, just like the one who came back to Jesus and said, I just got to say thank you. I just got to say thank you to the one who has healed me, who has saved me, who has completely delivered me to the uttermost, and who has made me whole. We can choose just like the one, or we can continue walking like the nine and miss every opportunity that gratitude brings. I don't know, but I want to be made whole. I believe that the nine received their physical healing, and they just kept walking. But they missed so much that the one had and received from Jesus. So I want to end like this. I just want to pray. And I want to give thanks. I want to have a heart full of gratitude. And I do not want to miss any lessons that gratitude can teach me. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm going to ask two or three different questions. And the first question I want to ask, I want to always end an altar call or sermon or the word of God that's been preached with the opportunity to experience and encounter Jesus. So if you're here and in the building today, or if you're watching online, either through Facebook Live or, or listening to a podcast, I want to ask you today, Will you choose Jesus? Maybe you have never asked him into your heart, and you're thinking, man, this gratitude stuff sounds like it's really difficult and hard and crazy. I don't know. I can't even do that. No, you can't. Because it's only through the love of Jesus Christ and experiencing his power that he gives you the power and the ability to live in a heart of gratitude. And so today, what he wants us to do is just make a choice. So today, whether you're here in this building or you're watching online, if you want to choose Jesus today and say, I want him to come and be the Lord of my life, I've never um, asked him to just be in a relationship with him and and to love me and to come and live in my heart if you would like for him to come and do that today if you will raise your hand with every eye closed and every head bowed i see that hand and if you're watching online do the same thing say i choose jesus today So let me pray for you. If you raised your hand, and even if you didn't today as just a corporate body, will you just repeat after me? Say, Jesus, I choose you. Jesus, 
come and live in my life. Be the Lord of my life. Jesus, take away all my sin. And I thank you that your peace and your love surrounds me and fills me. Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going to present to you just another choice today. Should be an easy one, but let us let, us let it be a serious one. Don't just choose it because it's the right thing to do. Don't miss Jesus this morning. Don't just keep walking. But today, if you want to say, I want, I, I want to go back, just like the one leper, and I want to give thanks today. And I want to say in a loud voice or throw myself at his feet or whatever it is the Holy Spirit is leading you to do today. I want to give thanks. I want to live a life of gratitude. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I want him to strengthen my relationships. I want him to build my relationships. I want to walk in gratitude. I want to walk in peace this morning. If you just want to receive from the Holy Spirit today, his peace, his love, and you just want to say thank you today. Can you just lift your hands just like in worship, like an act of worship, and just give like you're giving to the Lord. Lord, I just give you my thanks this morning. Lord, I give you my gratitude. Lord, all of my thanksgiving, all of my praise, all the glory belongs to you. Lord, I want to live in humility. I want to live in serving. Lord, I want to live obediently. Lord, I just want my heart to be filled with gratitude. That it overflows to every relationship around me. Every environment that I walk in. Gratitude paves the way. So, Lord, I just thank you today for speaking to our hearts. I thank you for your word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I thank you today that your word is able to penetrate to the dividing of our soul and spirit and bone and marrow. And that today, Lord, we realize that gratitude truly can affect us from the inside out. And this morning, Lord, we just want to live as a thankful people. Give praise to the Lord. For his love endures forever. And all his people said, amen and praise the Lord.
Amen. All right, we'll see you next Sunday. It's Have an awesome, awesome weekend. Remember that if you would like to go to the movie um, on Saturday, sign up at the table in the foyer, and we are so excited about seeing The Chosen. If you need prayer or need anything today and you'd like to come to the altar, it's open. Um, we'll continue the music. If not, then just continue to fellowship and have an awesome week this week and live in thankfulness. Thanks living this week. Amen? Amen.